Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, a weekly podcast conversation with artists about their art forms and how it affects their interactions with the universe. Eratosthenes Fackenthal, or Toss, if you didn't have to practice that a bunch of times before recording this, is on the show this week. Toss has been a staple videographer in the Seattle community for the past decade, uh, known best for his Ballard sessions. There's a link to those sessions on all of our social media sites. Uh, so take a moment before the show to like, poke, subscribe as hard as you can to find out more about Toss and the other artists we talk about on the show. Uh, Toss has been caretaking for his father the past couple of years, and a few months ago, Toss's dad passed away. The conversation around that and how Toss has been engaging with the process and the aftermath is so unique and beautiful. Uh, Stick around for it during the show. I really would love for everyone to hear his perspective. Um, Let's get right into it then. We're going to start by talking about uh, my wife, Heather Zook's poetry and the delicious scones she made for us in the show because she's amazing. So here it is, Toss. She doesn't because... Um, I don't know. She's never, she doesn't do like slam poetry. It's not slam. It's not slam. And I think that there's this funny tendency in Seattle to, if you're doing poetry, it's, it has to be that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to have another scone if you want one. She destroyed those. They're so good. I gave one to my therapist today (laughs) and I was like, Hey, um, Heather brought this. Can, is this weird if I give you a scone? He's like, no, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, the only thing is, I'm going to take the spoon out of here mm. so it doesn't make a bunch of noise, because we're actually recording at this point. Oh, really? Yeah, we started. We snuck it in. Sneaky, man. I know. And the cat's going to join us. Um, but yeah, her, her poetry has been, um, exclusively like a written and read one, which it's funny because people, I don't know, people don't know how to engage with it. People don't know how to, like, dive into poetry by and large, I think like slam poetry is made like a really accessible way for people to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny to see like people like her give people her books or people give her give people like her poetry and them to read it and they're like, Great. Yeah. I don't I don't even know what to do with that. Right. If you're not performing it. Yeah. Cause we did the I mean we've done a bunch of Fremont Abbey stuff together mm-hmm. and I always think that at the round is I love some of the poetry I see there, but I often feel like it's the last thing people think about, and people are like, sure, whatever you have, just read things, just say things up there, and it'll be fine. Yeah, plus Nathan always feels like he's looking for somebody, so please, anybody, just read somebody. Yeah, it's like, we need to fill the slot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard thing. It's hard, it's a hard medium to engage in, and I think it's really easy for people to fall into repetitive patterns in that. And, you know, not only with the poetry, but with the, like, even with the song, the music in there, mm-hmm. I think it's really easy for, like, singer-songwriters to be, like, I don't know, gimmicky. Right. Yeah. Anytime something's been around for a while, it, it, it kind of, it's nice that it has its own momentum, but it also makes it hard to mix it up and make it fresh. Yeah. And stuff, because, how I don't know, like, I feel like you were in that scene when I met you already. Like, you were already mm-hmm. connected to the Abbey, connected to, like, a bunch of, kind of, the folk music scene that was coming out at that time in, like, Ballard, Fremont area. Mm-hmm. Seems like a long time ago. <laughs> Seems like I'm talking about the glory days here, mm-hmm. because things have changed quite a bit. Yeah. But, 
it was a good season, and it it all happened for me anyway, pretty just um, naturally and easily and without any intention. And uh, so now it's hard to be doing something intentionally mm-hmm. instead of just being in the right place at the right time. Right. Because you were, you were at the Seattle school, is that right? When you kind of like just started getting connected to people who were doing those artistic kind things? Of. Yeah. I was always, I was that person early on in Facebook that would just invite people to everything. Mm-hmm. And I've always done that as a way to try to like, create a social life because I wouldn't have one otherwise. Totally. So I'm like, I need to invite my entire class to this thing <laughs> that I heard about called The Round. Because one of my friends who I went to school with, Jen Gabarzik, was a painter, and she was painting. So she told me about The Round. Mm. And I proceeded to add everyone in my class to Facebook <laughs> and, add, and, and invite them. Because Nathan, the first time I ever communicated with Nathan, he said that if you bring five people you know, you can get in free or whatever. <laughs> so the first round I ever went to was at the Nectar because the, rent, the Abbey was being... Renovated still renovated. at that point? Yeah, yeah. wow. That was, the, that was the starting point of that whole scene. Yeah. So that was how I got connected to the Abbey. And then because I was in this counseling program, master's program, I needed to have a camera for really the first time in my life. <laughs> To, like, um, film, like, things... To, to film my internship and then take that back mm. to one of my classes. And my whole life, my brother had been the one chasing us all around with a, you know, big, giant shoulder mm-hmm. VHS camera, and I never wanted any part of it, and I definitely never liked being in front of the No, camera. my grandpa had one of those, and, like, all yeah. of the videos he has of us is everyone going, ah, fuck the light, <laughs> and they're being blinded, and, like, right. you can see people being like, it's hot, the heat of your light is burning me. Right. And I just, yeah, I could, I never knew what to do. There was other people in my family that were more natural performers, and mm-hmm. I was just, that was the quickest way for me to exit the room. <laughs> um, so for the first time in my life, I had a camera in it, and I bought this kind of little flip camera. I don't even think it exists anymore. I don't remember what it was called, but it fit in my pocket, mm-hmm. And um, so I took it around to a few shows, I think, and then I met um, my friend Tim Graham, mm-hmm. and uh, we just connected and like had one of those like four-hour conversations when you first meet somebody about art and God and life and just, I mean, if you know Tim, it's mm-hmm. just par for the course, but, um, and he was getting ready to borrow the pastor's camera so that he could go home and set it up on his porch and play some music Mm -hmm. or something. And I was like, well, I could probably help with that. And I had my own camera. It was basically the same thing. Nice. But, you know, my OCD or whatever kicked in, and like 12 locations later, we had this really horrible music video. (laughs) Because it was all, that we didn't have like a boombox or anything to play the song mm-hmm. so he, what he was actually singing it and it wasn't and it, it, synced there was no, up to there the... was no track and so just like it was kind of interesting like sound experiment but mm-hmm. because we would be in these really different sonically sounding spaces from like out on the railroad tracks to like inside union station mm-hmm. and so and the song would just cut and he did an amazing job of like playing the song at least consistently mm-hmm. um so, but, you know, 
when we were done, he's like, um, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, it's basically like it's, you know, it's a nice kind of experiment, but that's, you know. Well, I think I see that in like a lot of what you've done is kind of this freedom to just go for something. And I'll see you very much start something and start it big and just being like, we're all doing this. <laughs> this is happening. It's a thing. We're all doing this thing. Yeah. And you're a starter and a finisher, which is like a really admirable quality. And like, I think something that um, I hope, I wish I saw more of been around like the, these scenes. I think it's a great tool that you use to encourage other artists is you're like, yeah, we're just going to do it. Right. Why wouldn't we just do it from the beginning and whether or not it turns out perfect or if you're like, well, we learned something from that. You actually did it and you actually learned and you actually grew together. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting <laughs> to hear this and kind of be reflected back of this, you know, younger, more idealistic version of myself because mm -hmm. those things are still in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, life hits you and then all of a sudden you're not as quick to you know, jump in there and, and, and try new things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, any time you do something the first time, you have that that energy. Mm -hmm. And um, it becomes harder to, just like we were talking about with the Abbey, it becomes harder to to do that thing yeah. and have it have the same... It loses its novelty, yeah, which is a big part of it. Um, so I've just basically been gone for a couple of years. Like, I've been on another planet, basically... Uh, taking care of my dad until he yeah. passed and uh, so then just to come right back into your old life and kind of be dropped in and and then you're like well who am I now and like am I just going to do that thing I was doing before mm -hmm. and you know who am I now that I'm not a caretaker anymore sure. and like there's just all kinds of things and it, it becomes in a way it's easy to kind of go back and do the thing you were doing before but you're not that person exactly anymore, and no, neither is anybody else. And a lot of people have moved, and you can't afford to live in Seattle anymore. Yeah. And um, so the people that are here are and still doing music um, are having to just fight tooth and nail, and they don't mm -hmm. have as much uh, freedom to just go try new things. And yeah. um, you know everything, everything. I might do in in that realm is is got to be like calculated and it's got to mm -hmm. get a lot of hits or it's got to right that makes so much sense in that like when you were starting that out when you were giving that a shot like you had the stability of kind of I know what I'm doing with my day to day life in the master's program I know what I'm doing um, and in that realm but you know Seattle was probably like half the cost rent wise you didn't it didn't have that much demand. You could, like, try out different places. People weren't building every single where, place you wanted to try to shoot something. Right. Yeah. So, and it was just, a, it was a different season. I don't know if it's mm. just me, but I just, I feel like a lot of people look at that kind of 2010-11-ish mm -hmm. kind of ish uh, era as kind of, I don't know, you know, when the Head and the Heart was coming up, and mm -hmm. it was when there was just all this, there was the new folk... Mm -hmm. um, thing and it was hitting you know some of pop radio too and mm -hmm. like there was just this energy and it all centered at you know Connor Byrne and mm -hmm. you know it was just it was just kind of a it was a, a moment in time 
and uh, it was really fun to be a part of. Um, and we're just all kind of struggling a little bit to figure out what the new version of that is. Because mm -hmm. you can't just, like, think about the old days all no. the time. No, and also, like, the idea of trying to replicate that right. in this era, it's like... It's manufactured, and it, right. it like that came about so organically, and like also playing at the Conover and being around there around that same time, like it was just like yeah, this is the natural thing. It makes sense to be doing that. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's interesting, kind of like with you talking about your dad and and being his caretaker and being there for his passing and and coming back. Like I went was going through a similar thing with Heather. Um, dealing with a lot of sickness and having to be a caretaker in that realm and moving up to Arlington, like commuting to Seattle and, and then coming back after that and being like, what am I trying to accomplish? What is like the musical side of me? Is that the real life or is the like having enough money, working hard enough to be able to take care of this family, the real me, like what is the, the true self? And I think there's definitely like, as much as there is that sense of, the art scene is trying to re-identify itself. I think it feels like, uh, I don't know if maybe this is just us or I see it everywhere, but I feel like a lot of people are trying to re-identify themselves. Um, and, and because it's been such a demanding time, I don't know if it's the climate, if it's the phases of the moon, but... And we're all five years older. Yeah, right? So, um, you know, I kind of would use that joke of I always get older but they always stay the same age mm -hmm. um, because everybody who can be a musician is basically 25 mm -hmm. um, for the most part and as the photographer videographer and you know perpetually single person like I just kind of you know keep getting older mm -hmm. but the people that are are coming up and you know have the time and passion um, to to try to make it um, in music are all pretty young. Um, but then we created this little community and that in a way kind of put a little bit of, of um, a loop around that group of people and we all mm. kind of started progressing together because mm. um, we were all part of that thing at the same time. And, uh, and so now we're all kind of growing old together instead mm -hmm. of um, just a bunch of new people coming in all the time. I'm sure there are still people coming in, but um, the people that I've stayed in touch with are people that, are, you know, we're all five years older. Sure. And uh, it does get much harder to, I mean, people start having kids, people get married, it gets harder to, to make that... Um, that call that you know music is is um, something that you can put that much time to time and money and everything to yeah and well and it, I think it's like for a big thing that I'm seeing or the conversation I feel like is true and maybe you see this true in your life is like um, people are having to compartmentalize sections of their life more whereas uh, you know five years ago you're younger, you, you don't have the responsibilities uh, that you might as you get into your 30s, as, your, as people are getting into their 40s, and you can say, I can, music can be everything, everything can revolve around that, I can figure out how my financial stability is going to feed into that, I can figure out how my day-to-day -day life, my friendships, everything revolves around this concept, and as 
responsibilities come along, you know, um, whether it's being a caretaker or having a kid or whatever that is, it's this strong idea, my cat's just going to climb all over you. <laughs> um, it's this idea that um, as you get these uh, responsibilities, um, you need to say, well, well, these are over here, and this is one piece that's going on, and then I have uh, another element that's going on, and um, I don't know, I'm finding that first to be kind of like a stage of grief, like you have to mourn the passing of the ability to have all of your life be revolving around this one thing, and then slowly, like, as that acceptance comes in into being, you know, one part is this artistic element, one part is this um, fiscal <laughs> element, uh, I'm finding, you know, uh, more and more people who are enjoying the hobby of their arts, and the the freedom to say, well, I only have a few hours of a day, or a few hours a week to engage in this, but... I'm dedicated to it, and now those hours are so precious to me. And I see um, what you're, what you've been doing with like, um, you recently created that new community space where you were, you were having concerts for, for your pa, and now you're doing much more of a gathering space um, to just have communal music. And it's not like this; it's going to be happening all the time. It's like it's at very specific times. It's a limited thing. Um, and I'm not trying to compete with the Seattle Living Room shows. No. There's not going to be... I might put a donation bucket out or something, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's not... It's just to have some some community and some creativity back right. in my life because right. neither one of those things I've had for a really long time. Yeah, and that's the thing. is It's it's an art form that is for feeding you. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, yeah, I can't figure out how to reconnect with people, so I just have to have them come to me. Welcome to my yeah. podcast. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought about it too. I actually mm -hmm. actually have a podcast, but really it's... Oh, um, really? It's just a really good one-liner, if nothing else, <laughs> because I have a podcast called Why Bother, and it has zero episodes. It, just, <laughs> it exists. Oh my gosh. But Why that, bother with zero episodes? Right. Isn't that like That's perfect? That's so perfect. Um, but it was basically the same thing. It's like I wanted to have conversations like this about like why people do what they do and what what helps them to, to push through because mm. I kind of was feeling that about everything. Mm. Um, and uh, there was just there was still some hope in there, but it was pretty far down and I just thought that by talking about talking with people that were still um, basically anything you know worth worth doing, you're gonna you're gonna have that thought of mm -hmm. why bother mm -hmm. sometimes, and, right? And how do you get past that? Mm -hmm. But when you're kind of in your own little bubble, you sort of listen to those thoughts and then it's like you know mm -hmm. why bother getting out of bed I mean it's like absolutely that yeah. negative self-talk yeah. um, it's like how loud are you letting that like yeah. that radio broadcast right. off your out of your brain right yeah so um, so I, I hear ya and so what something that's just um, achievable for me is mm -hmm. to um, is to have people come over and uh gave me an excuse to build a stage and mm -hmm. um, and to get, I mean, my dad's 
50 years worth of junk. It's still taking a really long time to, <laughs> to get through it, but... It's been a motivator to, like, yeah. clean some stuff up and, and sort through things. Yeah. Yeah, which is just yeah. such a painful, beautiful process. So much junk. <laughs> you know, when, you, when your parents grow up in a depression, like, mm-hmm. you just you don't Having throw things. anything away. Doubt, totally. And I've inherited some of that, and so it's like, <laughs> oh, I really need these, like, 50 pieces of rebar... Because I might need them sometime. <laughs> it's the what-if mentality. Yeah. yeah, totally. So, like, even though I'm taking half of it to the dump, half of it I got, got stashed over <laughs> the side. And it's like, no, no. So, um, but, you know, he's also got trees that he planted 30 years ago that mm. I get to reap the benefits of. And, That's so great. Are they, like, fruit uh, trees? Fruit trees, mm. apples and plums and pear apples and peaches and, like... And so I basically got my old man card when he passed because I, I got a garden, a greenhouse, a workshop, like fruit trees. Yeah. Like I, I'm just going to live in my backyard from That's now That's so great. Like, and what a, mm-hmm. I feel like that, that has a funny thing to it. And we talked about this a little bit when setting up the podcast is it's, oh, what a beautiful place. What a peaceful spot to have. What a mm-hmm. place to have people gather. But then I was like, do you want to do the podcast? there you're like no it's such a burden to me right now yeah yeah no, I mean it's I mean I didn't have a great relationship with my dad and mm. uh which it's really hard because everybody and from hospice to family to everybody is just always going on and on about what a good job I did with him but like in the back of my mind it's like he's an asshole <laughs> he doesn't deserve any of this he has you all fooled and like, yeah, and even to go to the service and just to hear all these stories, I'm like, so, um, hmm. so it was not good, and I was probably the worst person to to have to care for him, and um, so it just, I almost didn't survive that experience. Yeah. So and the, so the house just has, I grew up in the house, and then I had to go back to it um, several times in my life. And then, and then I was, you know, moved home to be a starving artist, so I was just there when he took a turn, mm. and so it was just me, and my brother and sister couldn't help, so, um, so the house has a lot of heaviness to me, and I'm, I'm mm. ripping floors up, and taking walls out, and I'm, I'm doing stuff to try to make it look different, and feel yeah. different, um, but, um, there's still just a lot of history there. Sure. And meanwhile, I can't really afford to live anywhere else in Seattle. And then, basically, we have to sell the house if I can't live there because one of us has to be there because the house is so far gone. Right, it's so old. It won't pass. I saw a post that you did the other day about squirrels in the attic. Yeah. So basically, it won't pass code. Mm -hmm. But if you live there, you don't have to pass code. Mm -hmm. So And you can have up to, like, three renters. And so, basically, I have to live there, and we have to have three renters, or else we have to sell the house. Yeah. Okay. Um, There's a lot of cat love going on. But yeah. She's gotta, she's it's funny, because I'm not a cat. Well, well I'm definitely <laughs> a dog person, and cats just know. And they're I, like, I want it. I want your love. Well, no, they're like, you don't know how to touch me. Don't touch me. Oh, really? Well, because they know that I'm a dog person. And they're <laughs> like, you don't. I'm not a dog. Don't pet me right. like a dog. Right. You're petting me too hard. Or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your cat is 
obviously will take any com any, yeah. anything. She's real needy. We get along well. So it's equal there. And then, but I love that idea that you're mm. that you're taking that space and saying like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's mm. um, an ugly thing in my heart and the way I feel about it and the way that it has all this work. And then mm. saying like, I'm gonna, I don't know. I see that like push to say rather than be defeated by that, I'm going to transform it into like the universe and the space that I want to be in, and I'm going to do that by changing it physically and bringing people into it and having it be a more beautiful memory of moments in there. That's true. I mean, that's the idea, but mm -hmm. it would have been much easier just to like leave and go away for a while and then come back and do that in like a big blaze mm -hmm. than to be like in it. Because... Uh, Dependent upon it as well as yeah, trying to change it. It's just like, it just becomes this this burden you have to carry around all day. And so how do you have the motivation to go through rooms and rooms and boxes and crap in the backyard? And like, yeah, it's just takes a superhuman level of effort. Mm -hmm. But my brother, thankfully, can't come much, but he's a whirlwind. And so every time he comes, I mean, we either tear out the bathroom mm -hmm. and put it back together or like in one of the bedrooms. Does he have less of that depression mentality? No, he doesn't have any of that. He's no. just, the way he deals with everything is, is just like we need to do something. What sure. are we going to do? How are we going to solve? He's an engineer, so yeah. everything is oh, problem great. solving. But, um, you know, the engineer and the feeler type don't always <laughs> get along. And, you know, same with my dad. But, um, but in certain, in, in this situation of getting the house ready, um, it's been good because we get far more done in one day than I would get in the entire week done. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's good. That's really good. And like you're, I remember hearing you before saying that you um, had the, the tools that you're using to work on these things. A lot of them are your dad's old tools and like you even use them to build like the box that you put his ashes in. I built his coffin. Oh, his coffin. Um, wow. And his urn. I mean, I went to carpentry school for like the last six months of his life. Well, about a year before. Oh, where did you go? Um, it's called the Wood Technology Center. It's on okay. 23rd in Jackson. Cool. That was really just to say sane because I was going nuts. He, right. he wasn't needing 24-hour care yet. And I'm like, I think I'm going to be gone for half a day. Mm -hmm. And we'll arrange for somebody to come in in the middle of the day. Um, to check on him, and so that worked for a while, but then I, I knew that that was only a, a matter of time. Yeah. yeah, so I did that for two quarters. <laughs> but to do that program, you have to get a whole set of tools, and so, um, and they start you with hand hand tools, right. and you know, you work mm -hmm. your way up, and um, so by the time all that was done, I had, I had, um, some tools that I, I knew how to use and they mm -hmm. were mine because my dad's has mail that he hasn't been able to take care of his tools and never sure. had nice stuff in the first place mm -hmm. and so I would have been hard pressed to have to make something nice with just his but my cousin came over with wood from the family homestead I just knew like two days before he passed that he even wanted to be um, my brother's the older one so he knows all the, the specifics about you know after death mm -hmm. um, procedures, but um, I didn't know that he wanted to be in a plain pine box, 
and that's you know partly him being melodramatic and partly like really even, even when you're gone yeah <laughs> the guy is the most you know manipulative person I've ever met so it's I never knew what to how to how to take what, whatever he said but um, but he wanted me burying a pine box I'm like I can build a pine box and then my cousin why and then my cousin just happened to call and I was and he was gonna come he wanted to come visit him before mm-hmm. he passed because this was the last couple of days mm-hmm. and uh, I was like yeah come on over and do you have any wood you know from the farm and so so he came over and my dad passed and then we built a box in the mm-hmm. backyard so and that was that was really that was good for me I mean mm-hmm. um, and having my cousin there meant that it actually got done because um, uh, I don't know if your if your dad is literally on his last days mm-hmm. and you're out in the shop trying to build his coffin before he dies <laughs> like uh, you need somebody else there to help right <laughs> they don't have a book that says it but yeah. you kind of know when you get to that point right I can't imagine yeah so um, and then it just turned into uh, we actually all laughed quite a bit about it which we don't laugh much in my family, but, like, so many things that happened around this. Because, like, basically, I had another cousin that was coming to visit, and she was halfway between the Midwest and here when my dad passed. And so she's like, well, do I turn around or do I come or whatever? And she's like, and so we're like, well, come. And then we call the doctor. And because we have a box now, mm-hmm. that means we can put him on ice, and we don't have to take him right away. Yeah. So... Um, so we're like, what do we do? And they're like, hospice is like, go to the store and get some dry ice. So we fill up the box with dry ice. (laughs) And like, it has these two sides, holes in the sides of it. Um, cause it's, it's, you know, it's old lumber. Yeah. It's got like knots. And so it's got like like knots in it, right? Yeah. So, and I wasn't really thinking about this, but. So you put the dry ice in, and so then the the, wa- the smoke starts <laughs> wafting out the sides, and uh, and and we knew that we could, we could we could take him in and like oh yeah just put him on the back of the truck. My my brother didn't know that I built a top for the thing too. He just saw the Facebook post, and so he thought that we were going to be doing it like weekend at Bernie style with like open <laughs> casket on the road, you know. And, yeah, so there was just oh gosh. So then it puts the lid on, and then all of the smoke's yeah. coming out the sides. Yeah, so so he he was in the house like probably a day and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then we had a good thing that my cousin's husband is like seven feet tall because um, we didn't have enough people or enough muscle to carry the thing sure because like put a person in a box and then fill it up with ice and then it's made of wood right yeah and so then it's like well, how do we move this thing mm-hmm. and like so it all worked out but I think they only got one crazy look on the on the road just driving up to a stoplight some guy in a motorcycle's like what the heck yeah someone's hot or cold boxing it back there don't yeah. worry about it oh my gosh because it's not something that you normally do you no. know all the people and some strangers come in and take your person and like you know well and then like it's such a like nobody people don't talk about death people don't right. aren't comfortable talking about death or like and you don't you it's 
it's kind of like the, the the body dies. Someone dies in a hospital. Right. People don't die at home. People die in hospitals, and then they take them down to the lower level right. where nobody, and they move them around down there, and then you don't see this yeah. uh, body until it's been made up with cosmetics yeah. and like put in like a room with flowers. Instead, it's like no, like. I guess we go to the grocery store and get some guys. And of course, like, that's gonna... Of course, like, your family's gonna laugh even though they don't normally laugh because it's like... Aren't those things always, like, the closest together? Like, these really hard, difficult moments and you just, like, have to laugh at this stuff because you're like, nobody deals with this. Who deals with this stuff? We're dealing with it. It's true. Yeah. Well, my dad's lady friend is the person that... The only reason I made it through all that. And she... She and I did the care um and so and she came right away she Mm. wasn't there she came right away but um but we had been with him you know 24 hours a day for six months so um so our reaction we you know we were kind of uh i mean they were together for 24 years and so Mm. obviously she didn't just jump right up. I was really relieved because, like I said, it wasn't a good situation for me, and so I just kind of felt free, and I was When of, When he passed. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying not to be too happy because I thought that would be sort of, you know, rude or sacrilegious right. or something. But it's, it's, a, it's like, right. I feel... It's like a huge burden just got lifted out yeah, of me. Yeah, it's, so. it's crazy, but that, that totally makes sense. I, <laughs> I, I can't think of a single person who I have known and loved that has yeah. passed away slowly, that I haven't been like, okay, thank goodness. Right. For everyone. But then we had to kind of, so me and her were in the table, you know, drinking tea or whatever, and then the other people started, my brother and sister started drifting in, and we had to let them have their time of grief, and we were already kind of laughing and telling stories, and, you know, they were, they had to go through their... Right, they hadn't gone through their, the stages yeah, yet. Yeah. yeah. So that was... That was weird. And have to like put my, okay, stop laughing. You know, <laughs> let, let, well, and you know. talked at the beginning like that yeah. weird how you're talking about like it's so weird to jump back into my day to day life. Like, yeah. how do I get people around me? Because isn't that like these are people who at least get to feel sad? Like that's a genuine emotion for them. Right. Now you're saying like, hey, I just went through the death of my father, and I was mm-hmm. really involved in that, and everyone knows that. Come be around me. People are gonna be like, oh fuck. How right. am I supposed to be around Toss? Right. No, it's it's true. That's kind of why the backyard was an easier jumping off point for yeah. that. Because he died in the house. Yeah. In the living room, which was his bedroom for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And that's the room that I'm ripping up because I want that to be like a music room. Or I want that mm-hmm. to be a living room again, which it hasn't been. And, you know, when we do the, the get-togethers indoors, they're going to be in that room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my niece already, like, saged it and, like, yeah. all this kind of stuff. You don't think he'll haunt it um, or anything? I, 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 we'll find out. Yeah. But I don't really... In hindsight, it makes sense that, like, oh, of course, like, the backyard was a logical place to get people coming back over. Sure. And uh, it'll give me some time to tear that room apart mm-hmm. and uh, and make it something, something new. But, um, yeah, it's... it's that's what I want with the whole house. And yeah, like, that makes sense. And if I think it's funny because it, I feel like I've watched your demeanor around the subject change yeah. as you've talked about it because it's like, and that's what it is, is you kind of are like, okay, this is someone who hasn't experienced 
what I've experienced, I have to, I think I have to put on this face of um, pre-death or like a pre-death uh, experience of, oh, this happened, I, I should feel sad, let me take you through all the stages and now we can joke about these things. Right. And I, I feel like maybe that's on you as well, is like the, am I supposed to, am I supposed to present sadness mm-hmm. when I talk to people because I've gone through this really, really hard thing mm-hmm. or am I free to present joy and say, I know you weren't there for it, but mm-hmm. no, from my perspective, like I'm at a place where I'm seeking out joy now and I'm seeking mm-hmm. out like the laughter of, of figuring out life again. It's true. It's, it's something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can get sort of stuck mm-hmm. and really all it takes is like connecting with another human right um but i don't really know how to do that when i used to live up here i would literally walk around green lake Mm -hmm. until i saw somebody that i knew and with my crazy hair i always saw somebody that i knew that i'd get a handshake or a hug and then i'd be fine yeah but i never knew how to like ask for that or or get that in some normal way Mm -hmm. and so part of what you're seeing is just like oh i'm talking to a human and uh, and now I feel better. Yeah. Do you f- are you are you more of like an extroverted like when I'm around people? No. I th- no. Okay. I, I didn't I, think I, so, I, but I've that was like been oh. on the on the line with those tests. Yeah. Introvert, extrovert, but uh, especially in the last few years, I've just turned into a hermit basically. Mm-hmm. But I need people really badly, and right. so uh, it's kind of a bad combo. Well, and I think that that's most introverted individuals is that idea of like, okay, cats. Cats got to <laughs> chill out. Um, she's going after them, the headphones. Um, I think that there's that idea of introversion is like I recharge by being by myself, but then I spend my time with other people, and so it's like a currency, and when you have nobody to spend that on, then your currency is a non, isn't a real currency anymore. It's like, right. it's like an abandoned piece of paper. But if you have people to spend that on, then you're like, oh, my currency has value. Yeah. So, and it's like, well, I only have so much to spend still, but at least I have something to spend it on. Um, yeah, I definitely see, like, mm-hmm. in the, what, 35, 38 minutes that we've been talking, like, right. a, a change. And it's it's real. I definitely mm-hmm. experience that, too. That's hugely why I'm doing this as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I I mean, the other thing is I'm, I'm actually better at the once every one, two, three year friendship. Mm. Um, and I have a friend that I've been hiking every week with and that's been really good. But it's the first time I've had a friend like that in a really long time. Mm. And, um, but the problem is when you only have once every however long friendships, you tend to tell the same stories all the time because you don't have somebody to kind of say, oh, you know. You've said this already. You've said that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, get a new story toss or like, you know. And, um, because I mean, there's you get some little buzz from, you know, having the saddest story in the room, or, or mm. I don't know. You just you tell totally. you tell your spiel, yeah, and then you feel better, yeah. and then you go. You hold attention, right? Yeah, and then you go, you know, another week, and then you see another person, and you tell the same story, and you get some relief, but you don't go right. anywhere. Right, and it it 
I, I totally get that. And looking at uh, storytelling as an art, if you're engaging in it and you're saying, like, I'm crafting my story, I'm learning to discover myself through it, if it doesn't change, then neither do you. Right. You know? And, like, you start to develop not only other people's perspectives of who you are, but you develop your own perspective of who you are and you start to believe this thing and it, it just becomes this narrative that becomes true the more that you say it. Right. Yeah. So that's part of what I'm dealing with by sort of being removed from community is, uh, like, I don't, yeah, my story isn't changing mm-hmm. um, the way I would want it to or that I would need it to in order to sort of experience hope and passion and, you mm-hmm. know, all those things. Right. And um, so that's, again, yeah. where, I, where I'm going with with this um, community thing mm-hmm. is just, like, I need some people around me, some of the same people on a regular basis. We can have some conversations. We can talk about things. And I'm not going to have the same conversation over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably part of why I uh, I perked up a bit because it's like, okay, I got... I got I, through I, the yeah, the things I, I'm used to saying. Right. I, right. I, I, and I think... I think, like, whether you've gone through a traumatic experience or a demanding ordeal or it's just your day-to-day life, that's so easy to do, is just to fall back onto, oh, this is who you think I am, so this is, and this is, it's easier to just be predictable and familiar. Um, But I think also, like, the idea of changing your story is such a ethereal, complex idea. Mm-hmm. And so when you engage in something as artistic as like the idea of creating a space where other people can share things or and and shaping the physical way that that space looks and, and changing that, whether it's doing construction or building a stage, that means like, okay, I can I can do this with my hands, I can engage in this, and then that forces the ethereal to change, that forces it to reshape that. That's definitely part of it I mean I I definitely didn't think about it I was mm-hmm. just like oh I'm gonna build a stage and we have a show in two days which mm-hmm. probably wasn't the best timing <laughs> only, only half the boards were down by the time they played but fortunately it was a big stage and uh, there was plenty of room for them but because um, I wanted to stain them of course and, right you know whatever so um, but that so the the carpentry stuff is uh I have to get rid of the junk first, but mm-hmm. that's definitely something that that I want to do just for, you know, stuff like your table here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I want to do the whole Etsy thing and everything. Because part of why I stopped doing the video stuff is because I, I let money get into it. And mm-hmm. I was always really bad at that anyway. And I always compared myself to other people. And so I never let myself charge very much money so then I would get all bitter about that mm-hmm. and um, but it, I don't know some, it just it's like anytime you try to make what, what you love into a job it, yeah. it, it ruins it right for some people it can work really well and they can I, I totally see people who are much more inclined to be like oh yeah I want everything to be focused around the art form and like continue that but I think it's it's so easy to get burned out and why we talk about like we've got these different people in this community especially in Seattle who are kind of like a the scene couldn't sustain itself and also it couldn't sustain them eventually they're like yeah I'm tired of this Mm -hmm. it it burns me out yeah so I'm not really sure I mean because 
um, people still ask me and it seems like the logical thing to, to do to try to make some money. Um, but at the same time, part of me just wants to send a text out to the 20 people that I enjoyed the most doing ballad sessions with and like, you know what? There's no money. There wasn't when we did we started this, mm -hmm. so why should there be now? Yeah. And let's just make something because I'm going to literally die if I don't create something. Right. And I don't even know if I can do it anymore. I don't know if my equipment works anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, um, but we didn't really care back then about whether it worked or not. It, we were just having fun. Yeah. It and, sounds like uh, you're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, you're publishing I it just, out into the world right now. I, <laughs> I make lists. Uh-huh. And then I don't do anything on those lists or I like miss I literally have a list of like really 500 musicians that I could work with and mm -hmm. I could just pick which one. Hmm. Uh, I have a list of probably 5,000 movies I would watch. Mm -hmm. Probably 500 hikes I would go on. It is nice to have those. Yeah. Probably, I have a list of like 500 podcasts. Right. And I feel like um, that's that's how we get confused is um we we think like, oh, I'm engaging in an activity that is like doing the activity. Yeah. It must be the same and be like, someone could say like, hey, are you going to do more of these sessions? Yeah, I've got a list of over 100 <laughs> musicians I'm going to do it with. Right. And it's like, no, no, that's just a list. That's no, not doing the video work. That list is getting in the way. Totally. So basically I have a list of everything that I probably would want to do. That's what I should look for. Like, oh, what do you have lists of? Sure. That's probably something that you want to do. Yeah, one of my one of my big things that my therapist, who I saw earlier today, and yeah. really like that guy, Dominic. He's uh, I don't know his last name actually, just off the top of my head, but he's yeah. over at the Mindfulness Center. If anybody's looking for a therapist, real great. Um, I might be looking for a therapist. Yeah, he's real tight. He's got a great big beard. Good quality in a therapist. <laughs> um, but um, the idea of uh, of like maybe I think it was him that said this, but like taking those lists or those ideas and like. You know, start crossing some off. Just take a few of them or put them away and limit it to, like, a couple of them. And then put them in order. And, no, that's where I get in trouble is I put it in order. Yep. <laughs> and be like, which one's going to go first? Which one are you doing which first? Which one's the best? Which one do I like the best? Yeah. Yeah. And then just being like, I'm going to do this. And what is a timeline? Like, what's a stop and a start on a task on this? And then right. actually just saying, great, that's the next thing I'm going to do. I'm not allowed to do anything else on my list until I do that. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about the community piece is I don't have to use my list. It's like, oh, who's actually in my life anymore? Right. How about we start with them? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this is embarrassing to admit, but I actually made lists of people that I should pursue being friends with, mm. right? people that I've connected with. Mm. Um, but I never do anything about it, you know? I have whatever connections I happen to have, but I never just like went out of my way to like say I'm going to be friends with this person mm -hmm. probably because there was a list of 100 and I didn't know who to pick right you know? and I think like friendship as you get older this I know he said this I know my therapist said mm -hmm. uh, is like as you get older mm -hmm. your friendships start to dwindle and mm -hmm. I think that this is true like especially in males is mm -hmm. like you isolate more you you start to just be around people that it's it's easier to be around whether that's no one or just the people that it's convenient and mm -hmm. I think uh, it's again it's that sense of mourning a phase of life before where it was like but friend no it's supposed to look like that mm -hmm. I want it to be like that and like letting yourself mourn that that it's okay that those 
times of the way that friendship looked before is gone. And then coming into a place of accepting, like, now what does it look like new? Who am I with? Who am I going hiking with this person once mm-hmm. a week? This has been so unusual to me, but what a beautiful thing. Like, I, I would kill for something like that, somebody that's like, hey, every week we do this. You and me, we go hiking. Wonderful. Magic. It's been good. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, for a while, uh, musicians can be so, like, focused and, like, to the point that, um, like, half the Facebook friends that I have that are musicians, like, I've never met, they, they want a video, um, like, it's just, it makes it, it makes it easy to kind of get suspicious of people's... Especially uh, when you talk about your dad being a more manipulative person, and I know oh, that you've yeah. mentioned before that he's a musician, or what, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so it just, it makes me extra, probably more so on guard than yeah. I should be, I just assume that everybody's full of shit. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it makes it kind of... I mean, it's better than the alternative. It's better than being the gullible one who keeps on getting taken advantage of. Right, right? which I still do all right. the time. At least, so, you, at least you feel like sneaky as you're like, I'm not going to get taken advantage of, and then yeah. you can only realize that you are in hindsight. Right. right. Well, then I get, I'm like, well, you get, don't get to have me, but then I end up just cutting myself off from everyone. And I, right. Like, I think that I win and I don't win because, hmm. you know. Right. It's the, it's the like, well, if you're going to take advantage of me for my resources, then mm-hmm. I'm going to hide from you the resource that I value most, which is mm-hmm. relationship. And right. then it's, it's the saddening realization of, oh, maybe that isn't the, relation, uh, the resource that you valued most. <laughs> and so then it makes you be like, well, maybe that isn't as valuable as I thought it was, which is, right. A, not true. And B, something that you're being taught by people who are manipulating. Yeah. Yeah, you know? But at the same time, I mean, what I got most in a lot of ways out of that was, like, feeling a part of something mm-hmm. and, and, and and being that person that people sought after. And it was easy to just kind of coast on that or, mm-hmm. or to, like, you know, look at how many Facebook likes or just all that kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I still was alone for the most part. But um, but that was kind of a, a, just like a little crack cocaine or something of, yep. of that. And then it's easy to get your own pride and arrogance in there. Like, oh, mm-hmm. such and such isn't... I can never... I can never say outright that somebody wasn't good enough for a ballard session because right. I'm not really a musician and like who the hell am I to say mm-hmm. anything? Mm-hmm. And I've had people in my life tell me to, like I was going to write a book once or something and, and I was having a an AIM chat, it shows how long ago this was, <laughs> with somebody and she made some comment, I don't think, I know it wasn't intentional, but it was essentially like, well, how would anybody want to read that? Or it was something like that right. that just cut me straight like, to the like core. Like a, a genuine question, like, oh, right. why would someone... But right, like, but it doesn't come across no, over text she, very well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Why or why would or yeah. why would anyone? Like, where's the emphasis in this sentence? And I, I basically stopped right there and I never wrote another word. Oh, man. So, like, uh, it'd be like it was so fragile for me at, mm-hmm. that, at that time. And so even if someone is terrible... I'm never going to tell them because I don't want to 
No, who wants that. to be that person? I don't want to... I, I could... I would never do that to no. someone else. And... Uh, but my way of not doing that is just go radio silent, mm. um, which is just as bad in some ways. I mean, some people would probably prefer to just, like, just tell me that you don't like my music. Right, and, and isn't that, like, else. isn't that just so, like, fearing your own power? Like, being yeah. like, oh, no, like, I have the ability to hurt, so mm. I should not be around others, right. because then I won't hurt anyone. Oh, there's my life right there. Yeah. So, it's this weird kind of approach avoidance thing that's mm-hmm. been pretty common for me but um so so yeah so I, I never knew I didn't want to have like a short bus Ballard Sessions page that like oh mm. I'll still shoot a video but it won't go on the main page and everybody <laughs> will know what that means so I, I just I could never figure out how to you can't call that the short bus the short oh my bus. god <laughs> Oh. So we didn't even had a second page. It's still it's like they would know you're not on the same one. As yeah, sure. Famous people. Yeah. So, um, but other people would be like, "Oh, well, you're a tastemaker or something, and so you can do whatever you want." And, but um, I was so self conscious about my own art. I still couldn't even call it art. I still had such a hard time thinking that I had any. I contributed anything mm. uh, because, you know, the musician is the artist. They're the ones that are doing the mm. amazing thing. I just pushed play. And uh, so it was hard to even think of myself in the same Right. It's, I, and I get that kind of as a curator to yeah. say, like, is the curator still an artist? Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's a moot point now because, you know, I might still have 5,000 subscribers or something, but, you know, nobody looks at my videos that much anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it would be a good time to start over. Um, and just do it for fun. I mean, I mm-hmm. can start with the people that are in my life right now. They've been around long enough that, like, um, that they're probably not my friends just because they want a video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, or if they are new friends, yeah, who really cares? Because yeah. I'm not... Uh, I'm not all that anymore. So, no. Uh, and I mean, you've, you've got this thing happening where you've got people coming to a gathering space and you yeah. can just be like, great, this is where the sessions happen. Yeah, I thought about it, but I also just wanted to kind of be there. Yeah. Because so much of what I also, why I left photography, it was just, it felt so much like I was on the outside looking in at life. And I was really good at candid photography mm. and just capturing it because I was such... Uh, an intimacy junkie and I would mm. capture moments that I wasn't having in my own life and uh, and I would, that would just break my heart just going back looking through all these pictures like you've got these great pictures but like you're not doing that in your own I know. life what a masturbatory like process yeah. Yeah. no it was awful Yeah. and uh, and you know same to some degree with with video um, I mean video I mean at least with the one shot Ballad session stuff. It felt like I was at least a, a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you put a zoom lens on a camera, and it and it just doesn't feel like you're even there. But um, you can't shoot a ballad session without at least being part of the um, the operation. Definitely, I would say as someone who is exclusively a wa- a watcher of those, yeah. like just being yeah. like, oh yeah, this is a unique 
thing that has like your fingerprints on it and it feels very much like sure these musicians could be playing somewhere else and I could watch other videos of them but if I see a Ballard session I know what that is right yeah and that's part of why it I could never um, bring others into it to help me because it, I felt like it was such a a toss thing or yeah it was just it, I would agree and I probably at some point could have brought some sound people on but even then it's like there's this whole like I was talking about at the beginning here like buttering me up and you know the pre the pre-recording <laughs> session and the scones and the tea and all that I mean with the ballad session it might be drinking and like mm-hmm. an hour or two and hanging out and whatever totally. before you get comfortable enough to to do something and um so yeah, it was a whole, um, the whole process. Yeah, and it's so funny because I I do this exclusively because I'm like people like to have like a pre thing to do to like get comfortable. Yeah. But for me, like I want to just like instantly start doing it, and yeah. um, because having like a medium in which I'm like, okay, I know the expectations in the medium. We're both going to talk. This is how long it's going to last. I'm going to sit here. You'll sit there. I know like where, how long I want pauses to last. Like that's much more comfortable for me because it has all these rules in my Mm -hmm. mind. Whereas like it's the, it's the pre, it's like going to a show, like going to a bar before playing a concert or something like that. Like, ugh. get, get that out of my fucking face. I hate the bar before the show. I want to like, descend from the room having never seen anyone yeah. play the show and then have a conversation afterwards like the lead up is just the worst in my mind I just yeah. can't stand that like so we're all hanging out right am I supposed to be funny right now <laughs> someone tell me someone give me guidelines it, and I would try to be sensitive to that because different people yeah are, are different and you know there were times that I wanted to do a podcast of because we had such amazing conversations while I was putting the mic on them, mm-hmm. or like, I was like, there could be a whole. Yeah, this piece, is a, a, a bit in itself. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it would. I would definitely need a sound person for that because because mm-hmm. um, I'd be setting up the sound. I mean, the best conversations happen when there's no way to record it. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, but a lot of that is just. Uh, it's not meant to be recorded. It's just friendship. Right. Um, and it's just, you know, people. Right. And I think that there's something beautiful about that because of what you said earlier is like having that like separation of intimacy by like, um, doing that photography and being like, oh, these are experiences that I'm not having myself. And then to look at like your favorite part of it being like the before the session and having those conversations Mm -hmm. or maybe not favorite, but like a a beautiful part where you're like, oh, I wish I could record this because it's so beautiful. And thereby adding a, a separation or a barrier where you're still the curator of that. Right. You're right. Like, it's so funny to be like, oh, you're you're wanting to have this be a... Gen- you're wanting to have those genuine moments, but then when you find them, you're wanting to put them into a, a box. Right. Yeah. Or I'm wanting to, like, grasp onto them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm surprised I didn't do more sessions just because of that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I've always been a pretty lonely person, and those it feels a little bit like work but not really there's not a lot of money involved it's just it's an act of creativity and and love Hmm. um 
between two people that are, if not friends already, soon to be friends. And um, so I'm surprised I didn't do more just mm. to have more of those connections. The same same idea with your podcast. Mm-hmm. Just like, I really like doing this. I want more of this in my life. I don't know how to do this in the outside world. I don't even know if you can. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't... Um, you're not explicitly recording something like there would be some reason to 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 break intimacy or mm. to, to like oh well to like you know, I'm to, like, to, to, yeah, yeah like you you're not going to betray the moment in the podcast you're not going right. to stand up and be like i gotta go take a call right like maybe you would but likely no yeah. but in real life it's like oh i'm on my phone right i'm not having a really engaged you know, conversation you know dog comes home or you know you, you talk to your wife and mm-hmm. just normal things but all those things um you know break the the flow of something like this mm-hmm. from happening in the real world and if it didn't it'd be kind of weird because like your wife would come home and you'd be like you know just keep talking to me yeah you know and like, like Andy even, you're being a dick not even, not even paying attention you right know? so um and you know same with the video piece it's like you know we're getting we're doing this for a specific reason mm-hmm. um you know musicians are busy and you know or when you see them they're at a party and you're not going to have that right. kind of conversation if you went out with a few of your friends and you were like right. hey i want you to play a song in the park for just me <laughs> right oh i won't bring my camera right. like it's like no that's weird toss. i'm not gonna do it and it actually ruined shows for me to some degree. It sounds ridiculous or it sounds like a dick to say this, but like, because I'm, I'm used to shows just for me. Yeah. For me in the Abbey, which is the best sounding space oh in God. the entire world. Yeah. And so how am I going to go to like Numos and sit under <laughs> a speaker right over my head yeah. and like, oh God. How was the concert? I don't know. It was loud and I didn't talk yeah. with the person performing it at all. Right. I was literally fantasizing about what their CD sounds like while going like this. Yeah, know? right? So, um, the ears in the ears. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, and even my shows at home, I don't even call them shows, but like... Um, Music community I, I, moments at yeah, home. Yeah. I, um, the first guy brought, he really wanted to have his little amplifier, but I, I don't... I'm anti-amplifier. Yep. It's so much more intimate. And we did a little open mic without a mic at the beginning, and it was just a couple people getting up singing songs, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we want to get up and stand behind this wall that the that this that the mic makes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was a terrible amplifier. Mm-hmm. They usually are. Yeah. So I'm hoping that future stuff, even though I built this huge stage, Really, people just stand in front of the stage or sit on the edge of it mm. and, and sing. Yeah, a stage, which is just the biggest coaster possible. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're not going to have mics and amps and everything else, you don't even really even need it. Um, but it just says, like, look this direction, and uh, maybe it'll give me something to right. well, tie I need some lights I need to. a place to do my head and the heart stomp, so yeah. that's why I need the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're bringing that back. Dude, well, that's... I, I love that you're doing it. I love that you're making that happen. I I am just been so impressed with the way that you have, I don't know, just hearing you talk about going through this experience with your dad and, and doing all that and just seeing, I don't know, you struggle with, like, identity and, like, 
identity with an art and still seeing like you coming out like in a place where I'm like I see a strong trajectory I'm excited to see what it turns into and I feel like as much as that hope is hard for you to grasp onto like I hope that more and more people come around it and project that hope towards you so that you can feel what other people are feeling because I definitely am like yeah this is good stuff that's going to be happening I'm excited to see what it is thanks man yeah for sure Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. (laughs) That was fun. That was my first ever. So. Yeah, what's the point? (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to go back and edit out all my ums and errs? No, I don't edit. Sorry, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. All right. Cheers. Cheers.